You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Yep, yep. Hey, Justin Pearson. What up, my friends? John Curley. Hey, iRacers. Curley, sorry, John. And welcome back, Brian McCubbin. (laughs) Hey, good to be back, guys. And also, a blast from the past, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. On the show today, we'll ask what your iRating might say about what kind of driver you are. We'll dive into reactions to NASCAR and, and iRacing on consoles, and what tracks are most desperately in need of updating and why. That's right, Mike. And you can follow along with us on your PC or a mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics by going to iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So you'll see what we're talking about, and we'll see you there. Uh, Mike, you were infamous for multitasking while I racing, right? In fact, didn't you wreck somebody because uh, you were not paying attention at some point under a caution? I'm usually on my phone. <laughs> caution, I hate to say that, but or, I don't or do it grabbing a chocolate. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody does do it on green is uh, Carson Hosevar, who knocked out a NASCAR radio interview on his phone while I racing at Dega. And of course, it's going to be you know, a place like Dega where you don't really have to race for half the race. Well, heaven forbid that he's got to do some media interviews after landing his first cup ride in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, multi-year contract, but uh, oh, heaven forbid that interrupt his 87th at Talladega race on iRacing. And so kudos to him. You know, he's, he, he doesn't, you know, bow out of the race. He's got a try to get that finish and uh he just conducts the interview while he's uh going around the lot you know taking laps at the track at first when i saw it to be honest i was like ah what's the big deal we've all had conversations while driving before and then i looked at it again i didn't realize he was actually holding his phone and then driving one-handed so that is somewhat impressive and to be able to give articulatable feedback pretty good well, yeah that's, what, that's what kind of and answer <laughs> That, that's what I was kind of impressed by, that he was actually holding his phone in one hand. And he was taking his hands off the wheel. I guess he was using his legs to hold the wheel in place at certain times as well. So, um, yeah, he's he was very comfortable, I, I would say. I wonder if he's as uncomfortable sitting in his rig as he is in his, his truck. Because in the in-car shots of him in his truck looks unbearable. I don't know how he does it. Is he, like, tall or something? Yeah, he's probably one of the taller ones, and he, his knees go halfway up the steering wheel. It just looks like a mess. All right. Well, congrats to fellow iRacer Carson Hosevar on his new ride at Spire Motorsports. We're going to keep the fellow iRacer theme going as we talk about Raja Carruth, who was repping the brand in the iRacing-sponsored Xfinity car at Charlotte. 
Uh, we got a tweet from uh, Steve Myers, and uh, this was nice. It's got uh, purple color on the back though, instead of instead of blue. Or is it just the? It looks purple to me. From I don't know if it's the lighting or not. Yeah, I don't know if it's clashing up against that pink wall that you're seeing and kind of giving it an illusion. But yeah, cool to see. No, I think the overall paint scheme has purple on it, and they just threw the you know white eye racing on it. Um, but they got the whole back of the car. There's no other sponsors on the back of it except eye racing. Pretty cool, and, and Raj is a good person to uh, to have eye racing as a sponsorship with his history in the sim. So I think that's a good good combination. You know, pump him up, trying to get him, you know, maybe he, I think he's looking for a ride, to be honest. Um, I don't think he has something lined up for next year. Yeah, from what I saw of him in Xfinity this year, he, he could use a little bit more practice. <laughs> but um, I'm not saying he should be out of NASCAR or anything. I think he's just not ready to move up yet. He ran well in the truck series, so there there is that hope. So hopefully another ride in the truck series, maybe. All right, Donnie, let's shake some rust off. Give us a Pocono update. Yeah, from listener Craig Ream, he gives the lounge some great feedback about the infield course at Pocono. He states, hi, gents, just to lend input on your mention about the Pocono infield course. Well, they could be used for go-karts, but they are most often used for HPDE and drift events. Some club-level club racing is also booked there. Uh, he said, example for the uh, spec Miatas, the legacy Pocono config actually has a few of the infield courses, but they are now dated and have changed slightly. And that is for, uh, from listener Craig Ream. Um, a, buddy, a buddy of mine. Cool idea. Yeah, a buddy of mine did a um, driving school there. It might have been like a Skip Barber school. It was an open wheel type of uh, school that he went to, and it was at the infield Pocono uh, road courses. A lot of those ovals that we were looking at in the infield were just like circles. And so I, now it makes sense when you say drift events that, oh, okay, they're just drifting around these flat circles. Well, Brian, we spent a lot of time talking about it last week, so you haven't gotten to chime in so much yet. Uh, NASCAR did announce that they're going to have the game out in 2025 with the uh, – iRacing developers being behind the engine, right? And uh, it's on the forums, and basically this topic is going to be talking a little bit about more, more about their replies. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, did, I did miss the show, obviously, last week, but um, this this was a big announcement, as, as you all know, um, and people are starting to chime in with what their thoughts were about this. I know I know one of our guys on, on, uh, on the team chat was saying that, you know, um, He'd be looking forward to entry, to racing console guys, but I don't think this is going to be a cross-platform thing where you can. Uh, we're, they're not going to get the same version, I don't believe, as we are. I think it's going to be a similar to the dirt car uh, race game that iRacing has, where it's its own self-contained, um, self-contained game as compared to the dirt racing on iRacing. Well, a lot of the discussion really is too. What do they? What should they do with the game? You know, do you want career mode? Do you want multiplayer? Do you want to have one car? You want to have all the cars? You want to have historical? You know, it would be interesting. An interesting career mode would be to basically do the Jimmy Johnson career mode because he had to go through all the different cars. Yeah, the first edition, the first year release might not have all those game modes, but they'll certainly build to that. But I, I expect it to be a a standalone nascar console game i don't know the only connection i believe to iRacing will just be that iRacing's making it 
I can't yeah. remember as I was scanning, I saw something about they're going to be using in, integrating IP that they already have, which probably means the monster game IP, right? Well, when you say IP, you mean intellectual property. I'm, I'm, I presume that means the scans of the cars and the tracks. Yeah, that as well. But the architecture for the game may, may very well come from, from the, uh, from the dirt race, dirt game. Like as far as their engine, their physics, their tire, you know, that's what you're talking about. Perhaps. Now, do you think that one will be subscription based like iRacing or will you pay a flat fee and DLCs after that? Straight up video game. Yeah, with with yearly patches like they just they just had a um, a new version of the dirt game just came out not too long ago. So it's a seasonal type of uh, instead of a patch, uh, they're doing just seasonal re-releases, I guess. Now, Greg brought up a point last week about them always releasing these games in October. Um, they kind of release it in February or of January. Um, no later than that. They can't release it in October because then it's kind of a, an easy way to to scalp some DLC because immediately they'll release new DLC content with the newer cars uh, for the next upcoming season. So they need to get on board with most of the sports games out there before the season starts and needs to come out. Well, when they put it the goal more than a year out, Donnie, that might be actually feasible where they can set their cycled point. You know, here's where we're going to cycle every year. Um, yeah. I want to, I want to bring, oh, sorry, Brian. I was going to say one other thing. Uh, Corey LaJoy has some kind of podcast, and he had Ben Kennedy from NASCAR on. And at one point, they talked about the NASCAR console game, you know, being done by iRacing. And Ben Kennedy uh, was very excited about it. It was obvious that he was integral in making the decision to do this and so forth. And he looked very excited. He said, this is going to be everything everyone's hoping for. It's, you know, and I, I think what he means is what I, I mentioned before, it, you know, what is it going to be? Is it going to be multiplayer? Is it going to be career mode? Is it going to be all the cars? You know, that kind of thing. And so he didn't say that specifically, but I think that's what I was reading between the lines. All right, this next one's sort of a quick hit. We have Send It Sim Racing, which is in Amherst, New York, and they provide racing simulators for rent for single drivers, leagues, and more. And this is actually a suburb of Buffalo. Yeah, so I got on their website today and uh, noticed, you know, look at the prices and things. And they've done a good job, I think, of organizing this. They've got leagues they're going to set up. And... Uh, on certain days of the week, they'll do certain kinds of tracks. Say Wednesdays will be dirt ovals, Thursday road courses. And, uh, I think they're doing this right. I hope it works. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, we've seen a couple different variations of this, but I think for this type of uh, business to be really um, uh, long-term viable, league racing has got to be where it's at. They they got to have people coming back on a regular basis to you know with a group of group of them together. Um, you know those one-time party type events. I don't think would be sustainable in, in this type of uh, in this type of a business model. I think it's got. I think they need to, to reach out to people who want to be in in leagues and you know have league events held right there. I think that's that's the way to go for this. I believe. Locals that want to race on a weekly basis that are ready to spend, you know, 
whatever it is, uh, 50 bucks a month. It doesn't say specifically what a league member would pay, but I'm guessing 50 based on some of these other numbers. So let's say 50 bucks a month and you get to go to this one place on a Wednesday night and race your buddies. It kind of sounds cool. Yeah, there's actually a go-kart track not not too, too far from me, about half hour, 45 minutes that we would go to every once in a while. And um, that's what they wanted to do. They were trying to promote um, leagues where the same group of guys come in like that. And uh, that was I think that was their bread and butter as far as turning, turning profits. So um, I think you got to you got to apply that same model to this. I, I don't think, you know, just having the walk in person type of uh, thing thing gonna gonna support a business like this and keep it up and running so i i do hope it works out i think it's a it's a it's a, um, a good model to start with if, if you can get that kind of um, repeat customer i'm looking at the equipment and i'm assuming this will be on all the chassis across the board but it, they'll have the d-box uh, motion uh the asr6 chassis heisgenveld sprint pedals uh, triple monitors. So if everybody's built the same, I'm assuming they're going to work it out this way where everybody's going to be sitting in the same exact rig. Uh, this is probably the best one I've seen so far when it comes to the community sim racing and, and the galleries and whatnot. But um, this one, I think, would have potential. That'd be a tough business. If it doesn't work, you're right, because all this stuff right here, just one rig alone is going to be, you know, a decent amount. That's well, you, what I'm saying. You guys... The upfront cost on the, uh, putting one of these places together is high. You look at some like that one in Chicago, they had 20 rigs or something and they get a big warehouse and it's all decked out. They spent a lot of money to put that together. And, and are they getting the return is the question. So has anybody heard how these other shops are doing like the one in Chicago? They're still in business. Well, that's a good. There's one in Denver that does really good. They have that general dynamics uh, motion rig thing and so that's kind of their hook and 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 i think their bread and butter is just what we're talking about they have regulars that come in and run on particular nights and book it all right we got a nice tweet from the superstar racing experience which is i guess srx actually and uh it says i racing we're ready for you got a couple of cool pictures of I get stickers that are on the door that say scan me. I guess that's a door or the actual car. Then the next tweet, you actually see the car with the scanning tape on it. Well, look closely, David. It says chassis number 217 asphalt and then chassis uh, three dirt. You know, originally I wasn't so excited about SRX. Just uh, we got a lot of short track racing. However, somebody in our group chat this week asked, will they alternate dirt and asphalt within an official series uh, during a 12 week season? And then I thought, man, that's a great idea. Um, that does get me excited. Now I'm curious how they'll work the I rating out for that. Obviously, you're going to have your dirt and your ro or your your oval uh, I rating. And how's that going to work out during a season long uh, campaign? It'll be just like they do with the road courses and the dirt in NIS. You just, when you're on a dirt track, it goes through your, your dirt I rating and vice versa. Yeah, I guess it'd be more evenly weighted if they split it equally, six and six. So, do I have to buy two cars or one? That would be funny if you had to buy two. That <laughs> I got to buy the dirt version this week because uh, we're at Eldora. <laughs> well, we didn't have to buy a separate car to, to run the cup car on dirt. 
Okay. Well, there you go. No, but they, do they use the same chassis though for the dirt and the, uh, and asphalt in NASCAR? Because if they do, then that's so, because why would they have you know put out two cars for them to scan if if they were the same? No, no. I mean, in NASCAR, do they use the same chassis a cup car? Uh, you know. Yeah, they don't make any changes to it. That's one of the reasons it's so poor on dirt. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is pretty cool. The the thing that kind of doesn't deter doesn't um, deter me from this, but the the idea of this series is that everybody gets identically set up cars. You know, you don't have any difference in the cars. Supposedly, they're all exactly the same. Well, an iRacing fixed setup. That's a, you get that in any series. That's a fixed setup race. Every, all the setups are exactly the same. Not all, exactly. You know, no, they're not the same. Sorry as to interrupt you. They have minor adjustments that they are allowed to make to basically okay. loosen or tighten the car. Okay. Well, that, it, that would be an awesome fix setup where you basically could just switch between loose and tight. Yeah, that's that's a, that's actually not a bad deal. Then I I, I do like that because you know you can make some changes in a fixed race, but not to the performance of the car. You know, it's just like uh, steering ratios and stuff like that. But w if if you can actually uh, do small adjustments that doesn't overwhelm the guys who don't want to do a th learn about a thousand different things to adjust on a car that actually might be helpful. Yeah. I like both your guys' points. It, it probably will be a fixed uh, series, but on David's point, have a file SRX, uh, whatever South Boston loose, you know, and then a, f a tight setting and then that'd be perfect. I think, my buddy, he runs that outlaw game that I work with, and his setups, they got a slider that's loose to tight. And, you know, he does something like that. He explained. Well, as, of the car. I, Sorry, good, Brian, go ahead. I was just going to say, as, as long as it's an actual um, setting that the car actually has, you know, I, I, I don't like the idea of, like, the, a console game where you just slide it one way or the other. Um, but if it's, if it's something that's in the car that go, that can tighten it or loosen it just by like a single adjustment, then I would be absolutely fine with that. I think that's a great idea. I was going to say, there's also a tweet here with the pictures of the car ready to be scanned with the little white dots on it every six inches or so. And I wanted to point out that like on this vertical wing thing, like they're not like equidistant. It's almost like they just haphazardly just slap these things on uh, one's a little closer at the top than it is at the bottom. And it doesn't appear to be any big deal. Like they just put the dots on almost randomly, but they got to put them roughly six to eight inches apart or something. All right, Mike, what does your eye rating say about you? Well, I'm not sure uh, yet. Cause I'm still trying to see if I can keep it. <laughs> uh, DJ EJ though, posted a YouTube video discussing what as a driving instructor, he sees with driving at certain eye ratings. John. So, yeah. I, I, I did watch, uh, I think I watched all of it or a good part of it. And uh, yeah. So DJ EJ, he's a um, eye racing driving instructor so um you know you can sign up to take classes a coach if you will so you can sign up to take his classes and and uh, learn some driving things and basically he broke down um 
I rating levels from zero to one thousand, one to two, two to three, three to four, and 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 just basically says, you know, here's what I see most often in this level of I rating, you know, between eight hundred to or five hundred to a thousand. Here's where I see the problems with the drivers and what they need to work on more often than not, you know, and that's a little different as you as you go up higher in your skill levels and and um, you know, and so does his what he sees as being um, challenges for the drivers in those, in those series, in those levels. So it was, it was pretty interesting because he does have a, um, he does work with a variety of iRacing drivers and, and he, he looks at the, their telemetry and, um, and, and has some good, good ideas about, you know, if you're in this certain area, here's where I, I typically see that you're, um, why you're stuck in this I rating, you know, why you're not progressing higher, basically. Well, I, I thought he was pretty accurate, uh, at least as far as I've gone in, in I rating. You know, he said if you're in that under 1,000 level, you probably don't have good car control and you're probably being too safe. And if you think back to when you were there, probably, uh, one, you know, 1,000 to 2,000, he says, you got to learn to push the car, find the limit if you want to get out of it. thought he was spot on. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. And, you know, as he goes up higher and, and you see this when you start to plateau in your eye rating, you know, he's like, um, you know, you might have you might have uh, mastered some car control and you might um, know where the limits are. But now now do you know how to save tires? Do you know how to get the most out of your car without using up your equipment? Maybe that's the next hurdle between two thousands and three thousands or something like that. So it was it was a good good video. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's worth watching to um to do a little self-inflection about where you are at in your I rating and, and how, what things you might need to work on as from what he sees to, to get better. I have a slightly different take on this because I'm so NIS focused, but we talk about this all the time within the team because we have different team members in different splits from bottom all the way to top. And there's different racing going on in these different splits, meaning uh, if you're in a higher split, there might be less ca caution. There's more likelihood for a green flag run. Or when you're on a bottom split, you almost can count on not having a green flag run and so forth. Uh, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, betting by the odds. But the type of racing changes, you know. Uh, I went up a thousand I rating real quick, like all of a sudden, like in one week and the racing is different. <laughs> I mean, a little bit, but racing with the, those guys in the higher split is a lot different than racing with the guys that, you know, a thousand down from me. Yeah. And, and I, I think you might be talking about the same thing in different ways. You know, the reason that, you know, that you are getting a lot more cautions in the lower splits is because people don't have that great of car control. Um, and and as you get as you advance and you start getting to splits with fewer cautions, then you're going to have longer runs. You need to learn how to save tires when you when you're in long run races. I think I think we're talking about the same basic thing, just from different perspectives. Do you enjoy the higher split, Mike, compared to the splits you were in? I don't. Well, know. he's I not think that so. great of a long run runner. <laughs> yeah, so far it hasn't worked out. And I he cursed me the other night or last night. I like the tire, tire chomper. I finally got one. But... The tire chomper, Mike. It didn't matter. I wrecked it anyway. 
Now, I haven't watched this video yet, but another thing that's I think has helped me grow a little bit is actually race knowledge, you know, during the race, knowing what to do and strategy. You know, I'm still learning and I'm starting to tweak setups. And I think that's gaining the IR just on that, just being educated on the race itself. Knowing when to take tires, when not to take tires, when to pit, not to pit, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, when David gave me that, you know, half tank two, you know, if you need to fill the whole tank, take four, you know, that helps. We know in the team chat last night when Justin was made, he was talking about those adjustments he made, how they helped his car. And I fell right into this DJEJ category of, you know, being a little too safe and conservative. I thought, you know, I'm not going to change my settings. It'll mess me up. But Sometimes you have to do that. I think that's what DJ EJ was getting at is, you know, figure it out, you know, get those limits of the car and adjust it the way you need to if you want to climb. Well, you mentioned adjust. And so the next topic is about adjusts or actually updates more accurately. And the title we put up here is Update Me which is kind of funny compared, compared to scan me racing department.com. They posted an article about which three tracks iRacing desperately needs updating. And um, I'll just go ahead and start off by saying this is a pretty road centric article. Yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. I think, I think road courses typically get, um, get changed or, or updated or, or reconfigured a little bit more than um, ovals do. So that seems like it would fit. Well, it does have spa at the top of the list and that they've completely redone uh, a rouge. What oval do you think that needs to be updated? I wouldn't mind seeing Daytona get a scan now that it's worn out a little bit more. And what's what, what else is way out of date? Mike, you're not pushing your button. Is, is Pocono is Pocono um the oval or or the triangle is that been done in a long time? I don't I don't remember being any updates on that. And that's that's one of the older tracks. It was updated though quite a while back because uh, I missed the old Pocono. But that is interesting to think about what needs the most recent recent update. I'd, I'd like to find out. So uh, in this article from Race Department, they said, as you mentioned, Dave, um, Spa was at the top of the list. Um, Interlagos, which is uh, was uh, also on there. Um, and the other one was Olden Park. So those were the three that, that this uh, Race Department article highlighted. It seems like most of these were more graphical adjustments. Although there was one, I think one track, they said the off-limits have changed and they need to update that. Yeah, there's quite a few graphically that could be uh, redone for the oval side. Uh, thinking of them right now off the top of my head, I can't, but there's, there's quite a bit on the art side that could be updated. Well, Tony mentioned last night he thought that the graphics on Vegas were pretty out of date. Yeah, they said uh, in Alagos that um, the uh, grandstands are different, uh, missing modern day layout stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple things in Interlagos that they mentioned. All right, Justin, tell us about the next video. Yeah, Pitt Bits found himself in a Formula V race with the F1 world champion Fernando Alonso and posted his race on his YouTube channel. 
Yeah, I, I watched this video. It was actually it was pretty neat because the guy didn't ex wasn't expecting it. Obviously, it was just a random pop in, and he happened to be um, streaming the race. And uh, it was a Formula V race, um, which seems kind of odd for you know somebody with Fernando Alonso's um, pedigree, you know, to to go back to the rookie car. Uh, I, I caught I caught in a video that his I rating was like around fifty one hundred, so uh, it was up there pretty high. And uh, he he actually won the race uh, from pole to finish, um, and uh, it was it was. Um, it was a good race too, actually. Uh, even from uh, Pit Bits, who recorded it, he had a, he had a, some good runs going. So uh, it was interesting, and it's it's always cool. It's so cool when you just pop in to see a uh, a professional in your in your split or something. It's really cool. Um, you can do it the easy way by just um, you know just following them on iRacing, and if you see them in a session, you can jump into a practice session, and you might be in the same practice session. But it's totally different when it's just randomized and it just pops in. But it's so so exciting when that happens. That's so cool. Do any of you guys have memorable moments on uh, real drivers you raced? I think the best memories are when when um elliot sadler would run winter series with us i um yeah i think i did one of the, i was doing a dirt race and um i was it popped in was um oh my god i forgot his name but uh yeah like a world outlaw drivers was it was in there with me all right so rico abreu sorry sorry rico <laughs> but it was rico abreu was in there i was in an arca race and josh Berry got in it and spanked the whole field. He lapped everybody. Yeah, at a ARCA race, William Byron, same thing. Never talked on the mic, um, even though he's getting bugged. Uh, the Sadler brothers and ARCA have raced quite a bit. Uh, my first race with Mike as a spotter, uh, Caden Honeycutt was in my, it was a B race at Atlanta. And just to watch the difference in level and what holes they were willing to fill against what I was uh, ready to fill uh, was just incredible to see them um, shoot the gaps. Uh, and one of my very first ones is Dale Jr. being in a, a street stock race with him and seeing his name on the leaderboard next to mine was pretty crazy. Mike, you're, uh, well, he just left. Okay, Mike's having some technical issues. He'll got jump back in in a moment. Let's go ahead and talk Pro Driver Pipeline. And this one's about uh, Coke Series driver Vicente Salas, who's turning his dream of racing into reality. So we got another one stepping into the real life, eh? Yeah, he's from my neck of the woods down in Temecula, um, California. But uh, I, I see him a lot in the Cars Tour races on Saturday nights, and he actually does pretty well against uh, against the top guys in that series. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts climbing his way into ARCA and then, and then so on here in the near future. Yeah, so, of course, Vicente was... Uh is a series uh driver you know very very high rated i rating um so it's cool when it's it's cool when you see these young guys who are in the racing like this because you know if if you're gonna if you're gonna pick somebody to make a career out of or try to try to um mold into an actual real world driver you know that's what you want these high rating guys who um who are young you know and you know it's 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 really cool that um sim racing is becoming a pipeline for for uh, real world driving it's awesome yeah this is just proof of the end goal really is you know sim racing becomes you know someone taking their sim racing passion and becoming a real life driver now i might believe before i joined you guys you guys had him on the show as a guest right yeah i think so at one point there he is yeah vicente was on as when he was running for elliot in fact 
he's a he's a very nice young man uh he was very cordial and um he's a sponsor dream i mean i can't believe you know he hasn't doesn't have a sponsor signed up to t take him along, but him and Caden Huddy Honeycutt uh, are really coming along. So we'll see him in the upper parts of NASCAR, I'm sure. So 15 years ago, when uh, when I racing was start up, what what do you think they were think that you know this their sim has become a pipeline for for drivers to get into real world racing? Is that something that they think they had in their mind, or it was just something like they just that happened? I would think not, but it's happening. Definitely. I don't think so. I, I think I've heard Kevin Bobbitt say on their podcast, um, the iRacing podcast, something in the to the effect of, you know, we didn't know, you know, what we were doing next week kind of thing. You know, we were just kind of going with the flow. Yeah, the whole initial idea was just to kind of get a, a PC software running again that was good after all the, was it EA Sports games that were crap? Yep. Well, what's kind of crap for me is that we don't have one of these on the state side, but the 2023 ADAC Sim Racing Expo is starting this weekend in Dortmund, Germany, or Deutschland. I thought Chris was working on our state side up in uh, New York. I hope so. Oh, yeah. I know I'll go. It's got to start cool. somewhere. So last year, I ended up watching a bunch of live streams from the event to kind of get the scoop on what was going on. So I kind of hope to do that again, if the same people are going to be doing that. One of them was Lawrence DeSoswa. I can't say his name. Uh, so And I think he's there. So uh, hopefully he'll be doing the same thing, and I'll be watching for his videos, and we'll get the lowdown and let our listeners know, you know, what's happening at the Sim Racing Expo. Um, we I heard from Greg West, in iRacing forums saying he was going uh, to, to reach out, you know, and say, hey. They should have a booth. I would imagine iRacing would have a booth. You would think so. All right, a quick little message from iRacing from the community leaders. It is uh, getting to be time to build the schedule for season one. And it usually is community leaders that, that kind of do this, and um, they don't want individual requests. In fact, you can submit them to... I guess uh, Travis Sullenberger at iRacing.com, and he's got the template for for the road series on this particular post I'm looking at. And they want those turned in by uh, November 1st. Yeah, there's usually different staffers from each, uh, not from each discipline, but um, there's a few of them that are in the, like the road lobbies and, and the dirt lobbies. And yeah, basically the same thing David said. If, and it gets pretty good, depending on what series you follow. Like uh, I'm doing a lot of the GT4 stuff, and good lobbies in there. Um, usually, per actually, they have their schedules almost two or three seasons in advance that they're um, that they're putting together. So it's kind of nice. Um, Tyler Hudson is doing the oval side, and this Travis guy is doing the road side. And I didn't see any for dirt specifically, but there's posts literally in every uh, series forums about this. Uh, you know, to alert the community and hey, it's time to get it together. Let's go. So on the oval side, does iRacing pretty much follow the the NASCAR schedule, or do they take input and make variations on? They follow the schedule, especially in IS. But the, and then with the A Open, about the only thing that's up for for variety is off weeks. In A Open, when there's an off week, they'll throw something else in there. 
or uh, one week they they uh, actually squeezed in the row. The, there was an off week. The, the way it lined up, they did week thirteen NIS was I think Bristol Dirt or something like that, and then the next week they did it as a open. It was either that or it was a road course. I think that it was a different week in a open because the a open was in the middle of week 13, even though NIS keeps going during week 13. Yeah. And some of the road series, John, they'll try to mimic real life as much as possible. Uh, like David's saying, and then those off weeks where like IMSA is not running, they'll throw a random track in there, but they'll even try on the IMSA side to try to keep it as real to the real schedule as possible. But they're also most of the time are pretty smart about putting the, um, tracks that you're racing in special events in the sprint events the same week get you more track time all right we already talked about one guy running the iRacing colors here's another one iRacing made its presence well known at the 2023 seca runoffs who do we got here donnie yeah it looks like michael hinkle uh he had a uh an iRacing painted up or livery on a formula v in the 2023 SCCA runoffs. Um, honestly, looking at this car here, it looks awesome. Like uh, I have Willow Springs out here that we could take a car like this too. And, and um, sometimes makes me wonder why I haven't gone into something like this yet, but uh, it looks just awesome. Looks like they're at Road America, Road Atlanta in the, in the pictures I'm seeing here. Look at how long it is, Donnie. This thing is a beast. I mean, it looks like a blast. Yeah, it looks awesome. I haven't ran the car in the service yet, but um, I th this thing actually looks pretty cool. It looks like a Formula V. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a Formula V. Oh, it is. Okay. I was wondering. I was fascinated. said, anyone who can race the car well in the sim can go out and do the same thing in, the re in real life. So there's hope for us all. Yeah. Just money comes involved with this when something happens. Tear it up, you pay. Now, I apologize for any ignorance, but is Michael a part of iRacing? Is he a staffer? Sure. His name sounds familiar, like I've raced him before, though. Because it's a pretty spot, it's a pretty nice livery he's got on this thing. Better than the ones you can actually get through iRacing on the, in their paint shop. So I'm just curious if there's a connection. Paint is great. I, I You know, I, you can't say enough about the paint. You know, mostly white. But then the, you know, the red and the blue, you know, iRacing logos and everything. It's great. It is uh, Road America, Donnie. You were right. All right, Brian, we've got a new uh, sports championship coming up. Yeah, this is the uh, IMSA to announces the 2023 eSports Global Championships. Um, so it's world-class sim racing series featuring top pro sim drivers, teams, and cars. Um so yeah, so it's uh, IMSA and iRacing have, over the past year, really have really solidified a strong relationship, and uh, and uh, this just take it to the next step here. All right, here's what I'd like to see in the second paragraph or third paragraph, actually. In keeping with IMSA's more traditional racing series, the esports championship will consist of multi-driver, multi-class racing. Does it say how long the races will be? There's four of them. There's a $25,000 prize pool and all the big uh, road teams are in, involved. Uh, this is the second annual. So the first annual was won by Apex Racing. Um, but you got like Team Redline, Coanda, Williams, 
and and so forth. Yeah, I can't find anything about the length of the races, but were we following him last season? We talked about it. I remember this specific um, championship we talked about, but I don't know if we followed it like we do the dirt and the Coke series. I appreciate that it's going to be multi-class again, I guess, because the um, when they first came out during COVID and they were all just running one class, that just wasn't IMSA. Yeah, I think I th that could be out. interesting. Sorry, sorry, Mike. That could be interesting with the multi-class because you know those guys look for every little advantage that's possible. Are they going to are they going to find a particular car that is just a teeny tiny bit better, and that's the one that everybody goes to? Okay, so no, they shouldn't be able to do that because you know, like, uh, there's these videos out there that people find the better car per track, and then even in the official series, you can swap cars throughout you know, the 12 week season, depending on the track you're at. So no, Brian, I, for this, I hope they lock them into a specific car for the season. Don't let them switch. And, and they probably won't with team associations and whatnot, but, but yeah, they got to be locked into a certain make. Am I ignorant? Um, what is the uh, qualifying to get into this or is this an invitation only or cause if there was some kind of qualifier, I'm, I, I missed it. It doesn't, um, say, it doesn't so. tell us. Yeah. I would think it's invitation. The only thing I can um, get out of this is that it says that it's um, the series will enable professional sim racers and teams to develop close relationships. So that, if it's if it's specifically calling out professional sim racers, kind of me to me that means people who are already established and they're inviting to the race. Does Williams have to sign a I will not cheat pledge? <laughs> well, I think we need to watch Williams because of their history. Well, we've got another pro championship coming up as well. It's the Pro Four Championship from Crandon, and um, that's this weekend. Yeah, uh, this weekend, fifteenth. Yeah, this is uh, their special. This is a special event race, um, so it's not like a championship series. Anybody can get into it um, and uh, see see if they can take home a championship in this uh, Crandon Pro Forge Championship. Um, Crandon's an awesome track in these car in these trucks. Um, it's got the it's got the cool start, the the bum rush start. So uh, it's a cool track and uh, anybody can ride it in this special event. It's cool. Yeah, so it's October tenth to October fifteenth. October eleventh through the fourteenth time slots will be zero one hundred GMT and 1500 gmt so got to do the math or go to your conversion charts uh zero one gmt on the 14th um yeah d 4.0 and above for your dirt road uh rating it's a super session on the weekend so you have to run during the week to get points to place into the super session right the super session will be the 14th and 15th taking the top 20 in overall points uh during the week well while we're definitely in the events section the next one coming up is the bmw m sim cup and this one is running at road atlanta this weekend these are 120 minute two-man at least multi-class uh races that feature the bmw gtp as well as gt3 and the time slot information is Sunday at at thirteen hundred GMT. Did you see the top split podium finishers? Will earn thousand five hundred and two fifty. 
I think this is the maybe the third out of four. Um, you have to do all of them, obviously. So this is one of those cases where you need that high I rating just to get up there to be even eligible to race for the money. Got another one, Brian, SECA runoffs. Yeah, speaking of the runoffs, uh, iRacing's official version's coming up on October 21st and 22nd. Um, they're going to be racing the Formula V, the Spec Racer Ford, which is a cool little car. Uh, the Gold MX uh, Spec Miata, USF 1000. Um, that's the uh, Formula Ford, uh, the GT4, and the Renault uh, Clio all racing in, uh, in those two days of SCCA runoffs. They do have some times on here, and they're in GMT, so uh, you can that out. They have all the different times for the different cars if you're interested. Yeah, it looks like they're an hour apart for each race. Um, I own four of those, actually five of those. I don't own that Clio. Um, interesting. I remember last year I was talking about it, but uh, something always gets in the way. But this one I'm going to try to put on the calendar because they're only an hour apart. The races can't be too long, so... Is this yeah, they're going to be in Road Atlanta, right? Road Atlanta, right? Same place as the real ones? Uh, Virginia. A VIR. It yeah, is VIR. VIR. Okay, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's but one yeah, of so... my tracks I kind of avoid because I always seem to run off there. It's so hard. Uh, that track specifically, I just i am not fast at it. It's in the title, Mike. Yeah, so, say, so you're saying you don't want to run off at the runoffs. <laughs> That's yeah, cool. They're gonna they're gonna award national champions for each of the classes after they do um, all of your uh, pre races, and uh, it's gonna be broadcasted on iRacing on Twitch and YouTube. So all six hours across all the disciplines. Really cool. I feel dirty. I haven't gotten that USF car since the whole IndyCar debacle, so I have to dust that thing off. Who? <laughs> Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out our Discord to join the conversation and for show notes, iRacersLounge.com. Don't forget our merch at iRacersLounge.shop. I'm wearing a great hat. They have, David's got the polo on right now. They have some really high quality stuff get it all right brian let's roll into fantasy all right guys so uh the nascar boys were road racing at charlotte motor speedway this past weekend uh coming in top spot in the week was louder racing uh canadrian finished second and which is great for him because he's leading overall as well i racing mason finished third nascar nascar jedi fourth and mud dog is fifth uh, don't see any Tifosi guys in the top 12. Um, but in the overall championships, like I said, Canadrian is in the lead with Team Dwan uh, trailing behind by uh, over 120, 150 points almost. Uh, NASCAR Jedi is third in the overall standings. And uh, so, yeah, so not a bad week if you guys were uh, picking your road drivers, right? I mean, yeah, who picked AJ, right? So we're back next week, what, to the mile and a half, right? So you got to 
start figuring out who you're going to set up. The, uh, the playoffs are getting heating up a little bit more, um, so you expect to see those guys in the you know really pushing hard. Uh, of course, you got your mile and a half superstars typically from Hendrick you know so Byron's always a good cho- choice in that round uh, so is Larson it looks to me like I didn't choose my starters for last week they're, they're all blank right now I did uh seems on par well you know Mike you mentioned AJ Omendinger he's a good uh, he's a good road course driver and I thought his interview at the end of the race was classic I mean, you could see the raw emotion he had over the win. Every time that guy wins, it's like he wins for the first time. I love it. I think he was emotional because he realized this is his last win. He's leaving the sport. So what do we like at, who do we like at Vegas? I mean, Bubba Wallace has got something. Tyler Reddick, the 2311 team going to step up. I believe, I, I agree with Brian, I think Hendrick's going to kind of dominate. Anybody going to a race here at the end of the season, Donnie? No? no I just spent last weekend in Vegas uh, playing softball. Uh, my boy's trying to get me to go out, but um, I'm only available on Sunday uh, this weekend, so I'm not going to drive out for, for the day. Went to the spring race, so I'd like to watch this one on TV, potentially. It's fun to watch, and it's not fun to race, is what Tony Rochette said today. Well, isn't that the way it goes? Almost always, if it's a driver's track, it's uh, it's considered not fun to watch by the fans. I enjoy Vegas. I don't. I don't have any problems with it. It's it is what it is. It's frustration for me this week. Yeah, you've taken a couple of hits. Some of those. Oh yeah, I have. But we'll talk about that. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, it's time for Hardware, sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago, and we might throw in a little software too. Next Level Racing Go-Kart Plus. It's um, a new go-kart sim rig, which, uh, I don't know, it's not really our alley, but I guess if you want to sim go-karts instead, this might be the rig for you. Or if you just want to uh, break your knees every time you get in and out of the rig, one of the two. Do you guys do you guys drive go-karts often? Do you guys go to K1 or, or anything? When I go to Gateway for a race, they have an infield cart with, with ungoverned carts. It's really fun. I enjoy it as well, but I try to think about it when I'm sitting in it. How would this work in the sim? And I think about the wheelbase because it's very obviously there's no power steering in a in a go kart, and it goes off the how you know it turns better when you're going faster type of thing. But I'm just curious how that would work in a sim. The stiffness of the wheel. It's a big no for me. That thing between your legs. Uh, that's a big fat no. And like Donnie said, how strong can it be? It's just one little upright, you know. Um, it's going to wobble all over the place. You it would think be strong. kind of direct drive. Yeah, it could be. 
Yeah, I think the, the, uh, the little your legs. No way. I think I think the bumper in the front's a nice little touch. It kind of looks like a go kart uh, bumper, Nerf bar, or whatever. Yeah, the actual rig itself we're looking at here isn't. I mean, I actually kind of like it. If, you're, if it's a go kart, maybe it's just for kids and they can flip through that little post pretty easy. I wouldn't want to have to get my leg over top of the uh, steering wheel to get out of it. Now I see what Mike's talking about there. That thing between the legs. Yeah, yeah. The post between oh, the yeah. legs is is a game is a is a is a killer for me. I, I don't. I wouldn't want that at all. That's just one bad shin away from getting kicked over. You'd have to step into it and then kind of sit down into the seat. You know. Either that or or have it raised up really high. Because I mean, for most of us, getting down that low all the time, nah, not so fun. No. <laughs> getting down into it, Mike's probably not that bad. Getting up might be the problem. <laughs> I can see crawling around on the floor, kind of like crawling out of it like you're escaping a car that overturned, you know? Well, let's put the brakes on that topic and talk about the uh, Sim Racing Pro Handbrake Review. Uh, shoot this one at us, Justin. Yeah, they got a, a handbrake here. It. It looks like a pretty nice handbrake. It's pretty robust. Uh, I, I just watched the video. It it's in a. It must be in Spanish or something. Yeah, it is Spanish, but uh, it is the CEO of the company, and I really like the product. And he gives you three different choices on the color of the handle: the orange, which is kind of their signature color. Uh, you can do a silver, a black, or a red. Um, but really big robust handle uh that you really you know is a kind of a signature for a handbrake uh pretty long shaft i mean it looks really it really hits all the check marks as far as i'm concerned does any class use a handbrake in iRacing? i think like the dirt cars right not the not the road, oval the dirt car you know, the dirt roads cars but has it been established that it's beneficial? Because I think having a lot of people just said that it doesn't really do much on, on the sim side. Now, maybe the fast guys, it doesn't help. But for somebody like me, it does help me get the back end around uh, when I'm pulling on the, I don't know, it just feels a little bit more like real life. A little bit. Oh, you felt that too? You're in a dirt road car and you're like, this dang thing won't turn at all. And you have to use the brake to try to swing that back end around because this won't turn. That's how I did it as a kid. I mean, yes, it works in this thing. But yeah, I've heard the fast guys say they just do it all throttle and brake, which doesn't surprise me. But um, yeah, I need the I need the handbrake to turn. Uh, 320 euro. Uh, the other thing he points out in the video is there's an electronics box kind of mounted to the side of it. And, uh, and, and so you can switch that to the other side. If you end up putting the, the handle on the left or the right. Next up, we have some bad news maybe for the Samsung Odyssey G9 and that it maybe can't be handled by one of the world's highest performing gaming graphics cards like the 4090. Well, you just can't do 240 hertz with a 4090. You can only do it 120 hertz. Um, and so this article basically points that out. Uh, the AMD cards, the RX 7000 series, they actually will do run this at 240 hertz. So it's something specific with NVIDIA with their software or uh, firmware. 
the hope is they will update at some point that will allow the the two 240 hertz the the problem with it is this screen is so big it's basically two 4k monitors glued together is the way they describe it um it's 57 inches um matt malone has a video here on the script where he basically says this is the best uh you know monitor ever for gaming and he may be right if you're only using a single monitor this is probably the best thing you can get our teammate tom dryling has indicated this week that he intends to buy this i would still recommend going triples if you're gonna go monitors so and then donnie i triple dog dared tom to take his current widescreen monitor and put it above this monitor uh so he could have timing and scoring why not right this thing's running about 2500 bucks i think it's fascinating reading the article about how much bandwidth the cabling has to produce to make this thing work and they have to do compression and all these different protocols and new things as far as transmitting data uh, it, it's fascinating all right mike i never remember which controls will you have but is this the one no i have the f pro um, this is the new uh, mercedes i think it's uh, for sale now but it's a g uh, amg gt edition will ford does the uh, review the big takeaway it's 320 millimeters it's very wide it's too wide for for will ford uh, i believe it'd be too wide for me as well i think 300 is a sweet spot so i don't know I, if i would buy it just because of that but if you're looking for uh, uh you know kind of and it's not really a replica of the uh, amg because it's got the light up buttons and different things but it's got the logo now the big thing that i've said about when we saw this wheel before david was i don't like that it's got the mercedes logo and then the cube controls logo they really offset from each other uh, one of them looks professional and keen and nice the other one is literally painted on you have a hard time having any real world manufacturer on because i mean granted it's not everybody's problem but i would not be able to to have the Mercedes logo while driving a BMW, it just drive me absolutely crazy. So granted that's a superficial uh, problem to have, but it would just bother me. My Overrim has actually got the Porsche logo on it, but I bought it for the functionality, uh, the selection of buttons on it, because originally it was going to be my everything rim. Um, but since I'm in VR, I don't care. Hey, you don't see, you could also put tape over it maybe. You don't see it that much. How about just a big uh, headpiece over my face? That'll work. You were driving a Porsche, though, once upon a time, I think. Uh, when the 919 was out, yep. But that not with that yeah. wheel. I was using the Formula wheel. Now, I, I got to point out that the Cube Controls wheel overall, besides what we just mentioned, it's got the same thing that all the other Cube Controls has. Great buttons, great functionality as far as how to light those buttons um through sim hub or other uh paddles the whole thing and and then the 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 thing i really like which is the wireless cable or the magnetic connecting cable with a magnetic connector so you don't break pins off and stuff if the coil goes if the wheel goes crazy and it coils up or something 
Well, we have more reviews. This next one is a Sim Racing Enthusiast review of the Assetek uh, Invicta 27 Newton meter wheelbase. Who got a look at this one? I did. I drooled over this a bit. This is this is a very similar product to the Simicube Pro 2, which is 25 Nm, and this one's 27 Nm. So they're really in competition with each other. We know that Asetek Invecta uses the intellectual property from Simicube, and that makes them even that much more similar. This particular uh, YouTuber uh, has a Simicube 2 Pro. Uh, he went and demoed this or tried this base. He had a lot of good things to say about it. He's not going to switch to it permanently, though. Um, but it's just as good as a Simicube 2 Pro, if not better. Um, you know, when you get to these kind of quality of wheelbases, uh, it, it's all subjective, really. So does it come down to just uh, a price comparison at that point? Well, perhaps. There's some other key differences like the QR release uh, with the Asetek has got a very fancy, you just put your finger on the thing and, and bend it a little and it comes right off. With the, with the Simicube, you have a pin you got to yank out and sometimes you bust your knuckles and Donnie knows what I'm talking about. I rotate the wheel down, so I'm pulling pulling downward. Um, I guess, I mean, at the end of the day, it would probably be very similar, but um, I prefer the Simicube's look. I don't like the fluting on the Asetek and the, and the light-up LED sides. That's just my personal preference. Um, knowing how well the quick release on the Simicube is, it's like a you're not getting that thing loose. Um, I would, I would, you know, side with the Simicube, but I haven't used the Asetek, obviously, but I'm... Um, just a quick release experience with this one is pretty rock solid. That's the thing. There's never, ever going to be any play in the Simicube quick release. It's the, uh, the way it's designed. Even after you pull the pin mic, depending on how long your race is or what you're driving on what track, like you have to actually still remove the wheel. It doesn't come off. Like you have to almost give a little bit of force to get it off the quick release after you pull the pin. I thump it a little bit with my fist, actually. I turn it upside down and go pop, 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 pop until it pops off. If I was buying a wheelbase today, it would be between these two wheels. It would be between the Simicube Pro 2 and the Asetek Invicta 27NM. Um, you know, Asetek is still new on the scene, guys. I mean, it's been a year or two since they've been around, and it'll be interesting to see what they bring to the Sim Racing Expo. Um, you know, I like the LED part of this wheel. I mean, I kind of like that part of it, but I see what Donnie, you know, why Donnie likes the, you know, industrial look of the Semicube. It's a very industrial motor look. This next one might be handy if you need to be able to pop your rig up and down real quick. Uh, I don't know about the flex though, because it's pretty lightweight. Don't y'all think? Yeah, I've been, th I've been looking at it the last couple minutes. Have you guys been talking, but uh, it's, it reminds me of, uh, like if you were a console gamer and you're just getting into it, you might try something out like this or if space is very limited for you. Uh, but you're not going to throw any beefy direct drive on this thing. It's not going to, I don't think it would support it. It could, you never know, not an engineer, but it just doesn't look like it would. So I never actually mentioned the title, but it is a, it's a Logitech basically collapsible, collapsible sim racing rig. It is essentially a folding chair. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It looks like a yard yard chair, fold a fold up chair. Now, because it's Logitech, I'm sure I'm sure it's made for the Logitech um, True Force wheel or something like that. So, it's not going to be really made for anything heavy duty anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's bare bones. That's for sure. Price isn't bare bones. Five hundred twenty nine euros. Holy cow! I would expect that would be less than two fifty for something like that. Looks like a you know a camping chair. 300 more, you can get you a 80-20 cockpit. Right. A good one. Yeah, no. That's definitely an overpriced alert there. Yeah, they... We almost almost need a soundboard with the overpriced alert. They overpriced the hell out of their direct drive when that came out, and it's back to our... Do the powers at B at Logitech, do they even have, like, a sense of what the market is for this? Um, I mean, if you see this thing sitting at Walmart, nobody's buying it. I mean, nobody's going to spend that money for this chair. It literally, like, when you guys said, a lawn chair. I, I mean, we've we've seen other fold-up um, type of rigs that you can use. Um, obviously, if if you have the time and a, and a dedicated spot, there's no way you would get this. You would you would spend a little bit extra and get eighty twenty or something, a play seat even. Who cares? But um, but even even as far as fold-up rigs that we've seen before this seems like it's on the on the more brittle side to say to say the least and it looks like you'd have the pole between your legs too right no this one actually wraps around it's the brake the the brace actually comes around your knees instead of under them so up and over so you have to clamp in it looks like i mean unless you're i can't imagine you getting in there any other way than that thing lifting up and then clamping back down. So that's gotta that's gotta provide a whole lot of flex as well. Hey, it's for somebody. Somebody will get it that needs it, that has limited space or or what. Next up is another wheel review, and I I can't keep track of which ones we've done and which ones we haven't, especially when it's a clone now, because I'm like, yeah, I recognize this wheel, but it's it's because it's the grid Porsche 911 RSR, so it looks like a a Porsche rim, right? Um, But I think Sim Racing likes it, as it's quoted as saying it's the best Sim Racing wheel he's ever used. Yeah, we... we have done this wheel before david and um we've i've none of the none of the reviews we saw were were, uh, anything but glowing uh dave cam reviewed this one um he loved it um you know it was all and when when you get to something that that this is good the only holding back factor is the price which i thought was like around 2400 bucks so um it's point yeah so it's close to 24 but it's it's really expensive and but it's it's built as well as anything out there. So if you want the absolute best um, and you like the Porsche logo, because that probably has a lot to do with the pricing as well, um, you know, this is, this is as good as you're going to get. So this has a push-pull aluminum paddle as well as the dual clutch and shifter paddles. Um, is the push-pull, that's a different type of shifting mechanism, isn't it? Use it for push-to-talk, right? I got to say... Yeah, we talk about this wheel a lot because every time I see it, I just drool over it. I think this is the best-looking wheel on the market. I think it's the most expensive wheel on the market, um, and there's a reason for that, you know. And then the Sim Racing Den basically says in this video, it is the best Sim Racing wheel I've ever used. So, and and all these different reviews say the same thing. It's loaded. It's it's got everything you want, you know, it's got the display. You can, 
put your semi cube, you know, quick release right onto the back of it. Man, it's nice. Uh, for the money, I mean, you, you look at what I spent for my F Pro cube controls, about 1200 to get it here with tax and shipping and import duty and all that. 1200 And this is a thousand more than that. You know, a thousand dollars for basically the same thing, but it just looks a little bit better. You know, it pops. I mean, Donnie, you bought an expensive wheel. It, you know, could you justify the 2200 2300 here? Now, mine doesn't have a screen, so uh, no, to be honest. I have not utilized all my buttons in the series that I run, mainly GT4 um, on the roadside. Uh, maybe as I go up, I'll use more buttons, obviously, but um, no, I think, no, I think I'm good where I'm at. I don't need the screen, I don't think. Now, Justin, in your journey, you're not even really into road. At some point, you're going to get into it. I mean... Are you going to go cheap and get a cheap wheel, you know, a couple hundred bucks? You're going to buy something like this. I'll probably go cheap. You know, I'm, I'm an oval guy, you know, I'm, I'm diehard oval. I think I'll probably stick with that. I'm kind of like Justin on that, but I think at some point I'll get into it. But as somebody who doesn't do road courses much, when I look at a wheel like this and I see all the buttons and dials, you know, I always ask myself, would I really use all those? I mean, is this overkill or, or do you need those? If you get into something like a hybrid or even even the GT class cars, they have a lot of things that you can switch. You can change the engine maps as you're racing. You can change your you, you're actively changing your brake bias. You can change um, the throttle shape as well. You've got two different traction controls that you can change. Uh, you can adjust on some of the cars. You can literally change uh, spring rates in the in the cars as you're going. John's what John is saying is, would you even use them though? And and I'm kind of at that point where I have all these buttons and maps and everything, and I don't really don't push them. I don't really use them. I I rare I rarely even change the brake bias on a car, let alone anything else like mapping and all this other stuff. But I like to have the option of, you know what, I need to take my driving to the next level. I'm going to figure out engine mapping. I'm going to map it to a button. I'm going to start using it. And I have the ability to do that if I want to. But, uh, John, am I doing that now in my road races? Nope, I'm not. You're right. I'm not using those buttons. Yeah, the only thing on the lower levels we change are ABS, um, traction control, and fuel mixture, depending on what car you're in. And fuel mixture is good for depending on the run and how long you're going to stay out, all that good stuff. But but you do learn the ABS and traction control make a difference throughout the life of a run on uh, when you can turn it up and down and how that can improve your run. If I, was, I'm sorry, David. If I had an extra $1,000, I would. if my pedals aren't upgraded to hydraulics, that's where I'm going. Uh, a wheel like this would be my final last upgrade, if anything. Yeah, there was a year actually, one of the Daytona 24s, where the setup that we happened to be running, I just had to, I found it actually beneficial to run a different traction control in the on the infield compared to getting up on the oval and going through the through the uh, chicane. So I would actually turn the traction control, I guess, less sensitive once I got up on the banking every lap. All right, Mike, not Mike, Brian, this one now looks like you've claimed for yourself. 
Yeah, so um, this is a uh, release from Pimax. Um, they uh, their newest headset, the Crystal, which um, is uh, roughly coming out around seventeen hundred dollars, depending if you get some of the upgrades on it. Uh, they've just released a sim version of the Pimax. Uh, a lot of the reviewers are saying that you know the Pimax Crystal is like a really excellent for simming, you know, either racing or flying. So um, Pimax came out with a sim version that is running at fourteen fifty, I believe, fourteen hundred fifty dollars. Um, the biggest thing is it's um, doesn't come with controllers because as a sim driver you don't need controllers. Um, so you're saving money on the controllers. Uh, it comes with a couple options for the faceplate, which is removable. You can take it off and you can pick which one you want. There's there's like two race themed uh, face plates and two um, uh, flight sim. Um, based um, faceplates you can order and it does a little bit more optimization for uh, for sim racing and and uh, flight control so um, basically they're 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 sending this out as a as a standalone kit without the controllers figuring sim, sim people don't need controllers so uh, in that way they've been able to cut the price a little bit for those guys now I read a couple of reviews on this, um, not just on the headset. I think we've covered it before, um, but you know, this is a, a this has standalone capabilities, which means you know you can use this without a PC. That's why it's got the battery in it. So, um, so the problem with buying this is you're paying for the, all the stuff you that's integrated into it as a standalone unit that you're never going to use if you don't have controllers. You cannot use it. So maybe you have the option of buying controllers later, um, or if you have Lighthouse Towers already and the Valve Index controllers, which are still probably the best VR controllers out there, um, you can you can uh, upgrade this to uh, one that works with the Valve, Valve controllers and the uh, Lighthouse Towers, so you wouldn't need controllers in that case. So you could save a little bit money there, too. So, um, what about the G2? Because um... Um, the only reason you need the controllers on the sim is if you want to position overlays. Okay, well, yeah, that's a good point, Dave, because uh, if, if that's the only way to move overlays around, you're not going to have that option without the controllers. So, I don't know. I, I I think this would be better off if it didn't have some of the integrated stuff for the uh, standalone, and they could really drop, you know, take take a little lot more off of the price for sim drivers, uh, and, and be more of a PC VR standalone as opposed to having that option of uh, running it without a PC. So, uh, but still, if if this is the headset you really want, and that's all you're gonna do, still better than paying the full truckload, you know, saving three hundred bucks on getting just the sim version. Uh, apparently it's a limited quantity too it's not not something that they're going to be selling maybe uh, full time Carl Gosling told us that he had trouble with the USB connections um, with this and I don't know if I've heard anything where that from others that said that wasn't a problem yet have you Oh yeah, um, Steve Steve Thompson's running this. He loves it. He says it's better than his triples that he had, or um, it's better than his high definition 4K monitors that he's using. So he loves it. Um, he's talking me into trying to get it. I'm I'm halfway there, <laughs> but uh, but uh, if I my next upgrade, if I get something, is going to be the headset. I think because. All the reviews I've seen comparing it to the G2 said it's a it's, it's a really big up, upgrade in in uh, visual quality over the G2. And that's what I've been using for, I don't know, four, four or five years almost now. I'm a little worried about being able to wear headphones with it. 
Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Now, um, they do come with off-the-ear headphones, and you can upgrade to a higher-quality headset um, if you want to get them. And uh, everybody raves that the sound on them is really good. I'm not a big fan of the off-the-ear stuff because you pick up too much ambient noise around you. So I do like wearing and the, uh, the over-the-ear headphones. Um, again, Steve Steve Thompson has this, and he is using a headphone over his, and he he said it's okay. Tell him we need a picture. All right. Next up, we have a McLaren wheel being. Is this a new release? Release in November 2023. Um, it's the Artura Artura Esport Series, and it's a McLaren wheel. Asher oh. Racing. Yeah, it looks like a series of four wheels being released from uh, October through quarter two of next year. And it goes from their, I guess, their Arturo Sport, and then their Pro, and just and then their GT4, and then they got some that are connected with the USB. So they're all McLaren-inspired uh, licensed wheels from Asher. I like the one with the display, the last one. Yeah, that comes out quarter two, 2024. Yeah, so Asher Racing, um, they showed these off, I think, at the Sim Racing Expo last year. And now here they go on sale, uh, I think today or tomorrow, um, just as we're going to the Sim Racing Expo again. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be on display there and we'll get a better look at them. Uh, pricing, uh, 839 euros uh, for the Sport. The Pro is 1,169 euros. The ultimate, the one with the display, will end up at 1,500 euros. David, I'll take this next one. Uh, I, I put this on here for John uh, because he's thinking about pedals. And, and we always talk about load cell and we always talk about hydraulic, but we forget about these pneumatic pedals. And so these are the SRP, GTR, and GT pedals. Uh, these are fully modular uh, three pedals, two pedals, inverted, formula, style, and more. SRP's exclusive, innovative, pneumatic piston technology takes your experience to the next level. Yeah, I took a look at these. You know, every time I think I've picked a pedal set to buy, uh, you guys do a good job of giving me new ideas. And I took a look at these, and now I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm curious about the pneumatic system. You know, is that an improvement over the hydraulic? Is it better? Where does the air source come from? You're thinking air compressor. You got to have a, a hose and plug it in, right? That's what I was thinking, too. Right. You know, if, and if you look at their website, they have uh, the standard. They've got inverted, like you said, Mike, two pedal, three pedal. And they've got all the options. Uh, the, the eye candy's there. You know, I'm, to your question, John, I don't know if we know the answer is how do they compare to hydraulic and so forth. I don't, I don't know that we know that. You know, what I like about this is you can do a lot of adjustments on the fly. You know, it says you can customize your brake pressure in real time from the wheel or button pad. Uh, I don't know what kind of software. I guess they've got their own proprietary software, but it it seems to me that you can do a lot with this that maybe some of the other brands don't do. It needs a hard look. I, I really do think it does because, um, like you said, it, 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 the adjusting is pretty cool. Their videos I've looked at are, are top-notch. The quality looks cool. I love the color. Um, there's a lot to like about these. 
They're from Spain. Well, you know, I thought it was interesting. If you look at the inverted set, so the clutch and the brake pedals, you know, go top down, but the accelerator, you know, the gas pedal, it goes bottom up. And I've not seen that configuration before. And I'm not sure what the advantage of that is, but that's that's not something I've seen before. That's how mine are set up. Uh, the clutch and brake hang and my, my throttles on the on the floor. I don't know if it's petty, but I think the brake pedal face is too small. You're going to miss it. <laughs> You're like <Yeah>. stomping. <laughs> well, it's the same size as a clutch. And Now, the last picture shows different colors. You can get the face plates in. They're not just an orange. You can get a black or a silver and, and, and tone this down a little. I'm curious about the air, though. I'd like the air to become more popular and uh, see what that's all about. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with this technology, but I'm going to take a look at it in the next week and see what I can find out. Next, we actually have a hydraulic set with a haptic system. Uh, it's a conspit pedals, wheels, and cockpit. Yeah, this is more of a company review post. You got to love these pedals. I mean, these are the other pedals we were kind of eyeing, John. A hydraulic, they got the little shaker thing. They're, the, they're probably the right price, but we couldn't find anywhere to buy them. I actually emailed the guy and asked, uh, you know, where can we get these? And he said, oh, just contact us and, and we'll uh, figure out a, uh, shipping, how much shipping is, and they'll sell them direct. So they're out of Shanghai, China. Yeah, and these, this seems to be a, a kind of a new up-and-coming company. You know, they've got cockpits, uh, the pedals, and uh, wheel. I, yeah, yeah, I was like you. I, I mean, I really couldn't find on searches how to get these and pricing information, so I'm glad you reached out to that guy. Maybe Ally Express? <laughs> now, he does say in one of these posts that they will be in Germany for this expo, so hoping to get a real good look at Conspit uh, and what their products are at that expo. Now they don't have a shop in in the U.S., so it's not you're not going to have the advantages of like Sim Magic that actually has vendors over here. They do have some cockpits. I haven't. Yeah, I'm not too impressed with the cockpits, but the brakes, man, I like those brakes. I just get nervous about dealing with companies in China. Like, yeah, is there a customer support and that kind of thing? Yeah, good. Unless it's TikTok. Who? Now, in the email, I'm going to read part of it. This is Jay from Conspit. We are a professional company for rig and pedals. Our main products are the GT Light Rig $735, FP Light Rig $800, the CPP Light 3 pedals $610. So really, if, if it's really hydraulics at $610, holy cow. And he, he provides a picture of some of the cockpits, and they have kind of a flat sheet metal look to them but the the cool ones are the uh they have some formula formula one kind of style where it looks like a formula one uh, car kind of you know without the nose cone yeah i think their designs are uh, pretty innovative you know they're it, none of it looks traditional i mean it's pretty sleek uh and i know we're going to get into their one of their cockpits later on but uh, cool looking designs, you know, they're not your typical aluminum rig look. I always have the question of how would I get in that thing? And I'm looking at the purple one and I'm, 
I'm curious as to how I would get in that thing. Or how do you get out, like David said? Remember that sim racer story we had where he was in an earthquake during a race? Imagine being in that. I just get claustrophobic. You're not going to get out of that thing in, in any hurry. Imagine if you're strapped in during the earthquake with your seat belts and all that jazz. Better think of a roll cage. That might actually end up uh, just build it all the way around, get some more aluminum and actually just put a roof on the thing. You've just earthquake proofed your uh, apartment. That can be your excuse for spending more time on the sim. I'm just just here in case there's an earthquake. I can't get out. Just claim paranoia, phobias. Well, that's that's what you can do, you know. If you if an earthquake starts, honey, let's head for the sim. Sorry, only it's only a one seater. <laughs> All right, looks like Sim Lab has their pedal out. It's a load cell pedal, and Traction GG has done some reviews. We have a couple different video reviews here uh, for these. Five hundred thirty nine dollars for the throttle and brake. Uh, but if you had the clutch, $700 total. These aren't the other. Uh, oh, these are similar. I think it's semi-cube. Or not semi-cube, the um, cube controls. Good call out, Donnie. I was going to point that out. These look just like the cube controls pedals. They have a very similar look with the blue uh, plastic the blue. and stuff. Yeah. And remember, Will Ford did not like those cube control pedals. He said that the... Uh, the little elastomer thing holder would unscrew as he was driving and it was basically a, a hard stop for him but these are not those pedals and so both of these reviews really were outstanding i mean they really didn't have a lot bad to say about them and for the price you know comparing them to the other pedals in the market at the similar price um these are a good choice was the outcome of the video now I have a Sim Lab cockpit. David has a Sim Lab cockpit. Um, uh, there's a, probably others on the team that have that. I mean, this—they've always been known for high quality. You know, you look at that Porsche wheel we were just talking about at twenty-three hundred. Guess what? That's Sim Lab by Grid. That's a, still the same company. So when they put out pedals, yeah, you got to take notice. I don't know if I'm a fan of the the. The pedal, the face plates of the pedals, they're very, uh, you know, slick. They, they don't look like they have a lot of grip on them. Maybe, like Justin said, maybe I'd want it to be just a little bit bigger. Let's keep the hardware rolling. We have the SimPush wheel mod, which is basically really just an add-on rib, right? Uh, Bill Quando reviews it. Or Bill K. Wando, I guess, is actually how you might pronounce it, this guy. Um or Quando, one of the two. Sim push 13-inch wheel. It's a kind of an oval wheel, but it's got quite a few buttons on it as well. It kind of looks almost more like a PlayStation-type wheel. Yeah, what it is, it looks like it's Moses wheel, um, and a and a um, a custom because they have that wheel you're describing. Moses does. This is an insert for another, a bigger wheel um, that you can purchase. It's a kind of like an upgrade. Uh, custom mod for it that you can slip your current one into. You have to take it apart, obviously. I'm just watching the video and he spins it around and he says the wheel itself is 3D printed, but the middle spoke is carbon fiber and then like glued to the sides. I'm not sure how how all that works. Yeah, I actually use the Mosey ES wheel 
and I bought the 12 inch mod and from what I can tell just based on using the ES wheel you would just take out the center part if you will the electronics take it out of your existing wheel screw it into this 13 inch wheel pop it on and you're ready to go so it's just you know it's a size increase the standard wheel is 11 inches uh, the mod is 12 you can get from Moza this steps it up to a 13 so if you want a bigger wheel I guess you know this is an option for you what color is the band on your wheel do you have the yellow or the white I have the yellow okay so this red one is the custom custom that comes from somewhere I don't think it's a Moza product because the I'm looking at your wheel on here and it looks like the whole wheels molded and formed like it properly should be this one looks like it's in two pieces yeah, I, th I think you're right on that. Uh, yeah, mine's all in one piece. And uh, this one, yeah, it's in two. So, but I, I mean, I think as far as mounting the, the uh, electronics goes, it works the same. Uh, and I'm like you, I don't totally understand the 3D hardware aspect of it. Um, and I think the guy that did this review, he's kind of new at it. Uh, but it looked okay. I think it's about a hundred bucks. So, Donnie, are you concerned about the durability with the way it's put together? Yeah, because when he spins it around in the back, you can you can see where it's put together, where the outer rim, he's saying, is 3D printed, and it's glued to the middle carbon fiber uh, plate that you attach your original wheel to. So I'm curious on, on how strong that can be over time. Well, that might come down to the material of the 3D print, because, you know, you get, you get some of the just cheap plastic 3d printed stuff and it it it's not durable at all yeah is yours john your your upgrade is that rubber is your is your rim rubber so uh, the rim I, I yeah it's it's well you know it's got a leather feel to it uh i didn't pay a whole lot of attention when i ordered it because i knew i wanted the bigger wheel uh, but i do see the difference you're talking about because if you look at this 13 inch mod yeah, I think durability, you know, over the long term is going to be a problem. With the Moza branded wheel that I have, I, I think this thing will last forever. So there is a quality difference, it looks like to me. I uh, upgraded to a, high, uh, a bigger diameter wheel, uh, 13 to 15 inch. I just jumped up and grabbed the tape measure and measured it to make sure I was telling you the right number. But yeah, I'm running a 15 inch wheel now. And I think, Justin, you pointed out right after I started the wheel that my tire wear has been better with the bigger wheel. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, get, get rid of those tiny play wheels and get you a real wheel. Now, if you go look at aftermarket real steering wheels for cars, they're all 13-inch. I've already looked. So if you have a 13-inch, that would be considered a regular-sized wheel. Now, a 15-inch, that's a, a NASCAR cup wheel, actually. Except Makes for road sense. courses. Yeah, and also some drivers are running 13s, some of the smaller drivers. Short tracks, they'll run a smaller wheel, road courses for the, obviously, uh, the quicker response. And I've seen a listener in our Discord point out that they saw my wheel on a dirt truck, like a dirt road truck, like a Pro 4. Uh, those guys run this big wheel, too. Okay, I'll take this one. The last one before we go to our results the sim circuit reviews the sim magic p1000 haptic pedals on the, his youtube channel uh 
these are the ones we talked about last week that have the big old logo that says keep racing uh this guy actually kind of likes it and he says it's not a big deal because your feet cover it up it's not like you can see it while you're racing that was his that was his takeaway yeah i caught that on the review mike because you and i both i think we said last week we didn't like to keep racing slogan across that but yeah he did say that he said look your feet are over the top of it you're not really going to see it now the downside of that you know you can get these add-ons uh, for example you can get uh, a lighted version of that it's an add-on well he also mentioned that the lighted version probably isn't the way to go because your feet are going to cover that too you're not really going to see it while you race uh, but I was encouraged that he said you really don't notice it when you race. So y'all's concern is cosmetic when when you're displaying it. If if that if you want to consider it like a piece of your furniture and you want it to look as good as your coffee table and and your TV stand and such, that's kind of where your mentality is. Uh, my my eighty twenty is purely utilitarian. If it gains me time, I don't care what it looks like. Well, you know, in the last week, I've sort of come to that conclusion uh, on that, David. You know, I just want to race, and I can overlook that. I, I just want equipment that works, makes me better. Um, one thing he did say, though, now, the, I think the version that he was doing this review on, these were the load cell pedals. He did say go to the hydraulic, and I know, David, you've said before, do hydraulic if you can do it absolutely you 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 drive a real wheel and travel i mean you, i'm not a real wheel a real car the travel time in the pedal is actually just to kind of get the brake to make contact right but at that point the rest of it is all pressure the wheel the brake doesn't really move that much further right and, and so that's what you get is it's just easier to have muscle memory by pressure instead of travel and it's also just easier on your knee especially at road courses when you're doing a lot of brake modulation and and trying to get that pyramid shape on on the uh on the telemetry yeah we actually got to sneak in one more because i was so excited about this one this week we got a teaser from SimiCube about their SimiCube 2 software update is on its way very soon and they announced it in this youtube teaser um in the youtube they show little uh, glimpses of words uh, of features that'll be in the, the software so i'm looking at it to see if i can pick up some of these but one of them they call it telemetry effects detail boost dynamic filters so if you recall, back when the active pedals were released by SimiCube, they hinted uh, during those videos that the force feedback part of the active pedals, where you can feel force feedback in the pedal, they were going to bring that to their wheelbases. And so that's really what I'm excited about. Like, are we going to feel force feedback through the wheelbase with the software update? And is that something we need, Donnie? Do we need to feel force feedback in a wheel? You're talking about the, the wheel base or the actual wheel itself? No, the base itself. Like, they'll rattle it, you know, if you 
hit the curbs or something like it already does it to an extent but i think they're going to enhance it in some way i don't know how to describe it i'm just basing it based on what they told us but uh who knows what they're going to do as long as it doesn't push uh the boundaries of realism because when we're driving a real car we hit a, a bump of some sort you can feel a little bit in your wheel um but yeah i don't want it to be crazy i'd rather have the haptics on the corner of the rig or under the seat Two results. Friday open Roval. I got a P2. I qualified fourth. I got to second. Uh, the leader had run a bunch of quick laps at the beginning and got a big gap on me. And I was kind of being careful at the beginning. And I, you know, I wasn't really pushing myself. But once I, you know, got clear to, you know, second, you know, I, I was trying to catch him. Um, I ended up matching his lap times, but it was too late. I mean, he was already eight, 10 seconds out, you know, but no mistakes throughout the race. And I actually brought it home P2. Man, I am so proud of this. The Charlotte Roval, a P2. The Chicago Street Course, a P1. It's been a great year in NASCAR on road courses for me. Now we don't have any other results for the Roval, but I do believe Tom got a P5 on Sunday. So um, he did, I didn't gain very many points. Let's just say it that way. Let's move on to Wednesday Open, Las Vegas, P19. I had a green flag stop. Uh, we had a green flag stop, so I had run my tires off. I was running about 20th. I short pitted just a little and it got me up to 13th, but I made mistakes and fell back again. I was hoping for a caution near the end and we got it. I went hard trying to get to the top 10, but ended up killing the wall and having wheel damage. Limped at home P19. Chris? I curse. I, I'm going to jump in because we were in the same split. I curse you for demanding that caution because I was running in the top 10 when it, or was going to, no hours it was in the top 10 and was really good on the long run. And that caution comes out. We only have like a 12 lap run and I make, I do make the wrong adjustment and run it too hard as well. And I, I hit the wall so hard. I was, I drove the rest of the race with my wheel turned 90 degrees to the left. Finished P25. Yeah. Uh, Chris, he ran, he got a P13, drove safe and managed tires for long runs, was faster than leaders on long runs, but caution would always come out for the first time when I went over 2,500 I rating. Justin, you got a P11. Yeah, I'm, I'll count this as a win. Um, I started 28th and we had a quick caution, lap 20-ish. Um, I ran with Tyler actually, kind of stayed in the back and after that restart, I got punted. Uh, we went for a 75 lap run and green flag stops. And the leader, I got punted back so far. The leader was only a second behind me. And I just wheeled it, got a caution at the end and just survived a couple and got P11. What happened with Tyler's race? We don't have his result, do you remember? Halfway through, he got into it. Someone took him three wide. The same guy that punted me, took him three wide and he ate the wall and he was kind of done after that. Right, Tony Rochette, P7. 
With my laps led 28 in the beginning, I was tight on the longer run. I actually watched the end of his race uh, from above. John, you got a P10. Yeah, you know, this. I skipped qualifying and I started P29. Uh, slowly but surely, I was working my way up. We had a caution with 34 to go. And I just decided, you know what? This last 34 laps, I'm just going to push the car. And I, I went a different line. I found a better line on the track. And, and, you know, my tires held up for me. And I ended up P10 and 0X. That's what I was proud of in that one, coming up with, with no damage. But I want those top 10s. Got to keep at it. We got to get your numbers up. So, yeah, keep stacking those top 10s. Yep. Brad Wren, uh, he says he's still down waiting on his wheelbase to be repaired. He's got a Sibmagic wheelbase that won't stay connected, um, USB. Okay, I ran today, um, car number 22, top split. Basically, I ran top 10. I got as high as third, but around lap 70, I got clipped by somebody and sent to the wall. Wheel damage, one and a half minutes, but no caution came out. I rolled around dead last on the lead lap until the green flags stop started, I decided, heck, I'm gonna stay out as long as I can and see if I can catch a caution. And sure enough, the caution flew and I had about five laps of fuel left. Um, after the, the stop, that was P13. I got involved with two lap cars that got in a wreck. Uh, that was another two minutes damage with 20 to go. Um, did a restart with 11 to go and a huge stack up. I turned the guy in front of me because of the stack up. Um, I got a passing on the inside penalty. And so I ended up a lap down and it was horrible. It was P28, horrible race. Uh, other racing I ran, the FIA F4 regional uh, event. I wrecked out early on my own. I got ran over, uh, had to tow. Uh, made it back from 19th to 14th. The next event, I started 7th out of 18 and I got wrecked out. I have yet to get a decent finish in this series, um, but I'm not giving up. Then I ran some hosted Chris McGuire uh, supercars at Michigan. Then we moved to DW12s at Charlotte Roval, and that was fun. I actually started 13th, finished 3rd. Um, and, you know, all the time on the Roval this last week, paid off for this hosted race in the IndyCar because I just felt like, you know, hey, I, I, I've done so many laps of this track and now I'm in this really fast car that has grip and I just tore it up. Uh, John, you got a P11 and A open. I don't hear you. Yeah, so that was a good race. You know, the first 79 laps were green, pitted in 20th place and, uh, you know, in the last 17 laps or so, I'm in P20, and again, I just decided it's time to put it to the wall and uh, picked up nine spots, so ended up with P11. All right, good run. It's been a good week. Uh, let's talk uh, our final thoughts. David Hall. Not a whole lot. March still is still up, or March store is still up. All right, Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. Uh, so last week, I, I took a trip to uh, Micro Center which is about 45 minutes away from here, but, you know, drivable. And 
and we talked about it before, but MicroCenter is in on um, sim racing. They they have a lot of stuff out there. Um, they they definitely um, promote their partnership with Nikonon, and they actually even had a uh, pretty cool setup, you know, uh, that you can demo setup with good stuff in it. It had the uh, it had a SimiCube Two Pro, had a, the Gomez wheel, uh, Heiskenfeld um, Ultimate pedals. Um, and you could you can play around with it with triple monitors, um, ASUS curved monitors, uh, and it was awesome. It was a lot of fun to do that. Um, so yeah, if you if you have a micro center that's not too far away, and uh, it's cool just to look at some of the stuff in there, and, and they have have a cool demo set up that you can try. I just love the idea of you don't have to ship your product. You can go to the store, buy your sim products, and walk out. You know, and not pay shipping. Okay. John Curley, final thoughts. Well, you know, uh, Brian's comments are timely because I have a trip to Micro Center planned for weekend after next in Chesterfield, Missouri, which is about an hour and a half away from me. And uh, I want to get my hands on some of these things. And then as far as on the track goes, you know, I want to push the limits, get more top tens, get those ratings up. And, you know, I want to join you guys. I want to get in some races with you. I'm motivated, man. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because we've been talking about Winter League. Uh, winter Series is starting up right after NASCAR season. Uh, we got a lot of our teammates uh, signed up to run uh, this year. Donnie, uh, John, Justin uh kyle i think we put bobby on the list i don't know who all else but um a lot of us are going to be running that uh winter series and i look forward to it should be fun okay justin pearson final thoughts don't have too much um i'm gonna unfortunately have to skip out next week i'm actually going to hawaii uh for vacation uh it's kind of cool i got awful <laughs> yeah um i'm a huge fan of shark week when it comes on every year i'm a big old nerd when it comes to that stuff and i'm actually going in a shark cage so it's kind of a bucket list thing to do you're crazy i wonder if they have racetracks in hawaii is there a racetrack there you know now i'm gonna i'm gonna find out all right donnie spiker final thoughts uh, no, Sorry about that. Yeah, not much. I've been gone for a while. Um, I'm just glad to be back. I've been off the sim too. I've been racing um, late models and, and the modifieds to fill in the gap of my of my schedule. Just life and work has, has just been really crazy lately. It's probably going to go through the middle of November, but looking at it, I could, it looks like I can most likely be back next week as well, but um, I'm just glad to be back. It was fun tonight. Um, I just need to get more in, more into it again. Hey, very good. My final thoughts. Everything's going really good at work. I've been promoted um, after a lot of people got laid off and I have a new shift coming up where I'm going to do four 10 hour days and I'll have three days off a week. Thursday, Friday and Sunday will be my days off. And on the days I do work, um, like on a Wednesday, I get off one hour before NIS starts. So I won't miss any races on the days I work. And uh, the days I don't work, I'll be racing because that's what I do. And uh, I didn't do it very well this week at Vegas. Um, I usually run pretty good there, but I've just had some bad luck. I mean, when people run into you, what can you do? You know, kind of thing. So I hope tomorrow I can get some points or I'm gonna be looking at this week as uh, 
this is the week I may have lost the championship. Hey, with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track. Thank you.